This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to the White Tail Legacy Podcast. We're all set up here down this creek bottom. Being bucked back here a bunch of times, so good chance to see it on him. Meh. Smoking. I think he just crashed right <laughs> Absolute money, dude. It's 76 degrees out. We just set up 80 yards from a buck and killed him at 18 yards. There we are. That's at Whitetail Legacy Podcast coming in your ear holes. And this week, we're talking with Scott Buckley on scouting public land. Just the tactic talk with him. We go over cams, the food switch, the velvet shed, mapping and marking, um, the stuff that he does out there to get him on these giant bucks year after year. Um, let's get into the people that make this show possible. We'll get right into the show. Starting off with 330 Archery, guys. Tony at 330 Archery has it going on to make sure you can count on your bow when you need it the most. 
330R tree bowstrings made with the best material available has a quick turnaround and is offering you listeners a discount for supporting this podcast using code whitetail20, no spaces, uh, no capital letters, whitetail20 to save you 20% off. If you're all about supporting the local guy, 330Archery is for you. Visit 330Archery.com or reach out to Tony personally to place your order to answer any questions. Guys, these uh, Tony's an awesome guy. Me and him have been uh, chatting back personally. Um, he's uh, making a great product, great dude. Um, I love that I can support him on this show. And uh, hopefully, you guys, if you're in the market for a bowstring, you can uh, give him a shot and, and see what he can do for you. All right, next on the list is Exodus Outdoor Gear. Guys, it is the last week of Velvet Fest. If you are wanting to get these savings on these cams, on this gear, on these solar panels, anything on their website except the arrows, um, you can use code SUMMERBUCKS, capital S, capital B, no spaces, um, to save you 18% and exclusive to podcast listeners. They're going to extend this off to the end of the month, guys. So this is the last week that you'll be able to do this. Um, this is part of their hashtag Velvet Fest. Um, this was going on to August 19th, but since you listen to the show, they're going to extend it throughout the rest of the year or the month here. Um, if you're new to Exodus, let me share a little bit about them. Over the last seven years, Exodus has consistently shown that they build quality gear that flat out works. The best trail camera warranty, period. Every single camera is backed by a five-year warranty and comes with theft and damage coverage. Yes, five years, literally half a decade, you'll be covered by the Exodus five-year warranty. But more than likely, you won't need these cams. Like I said last podcast, I have cams out there. I fired up the fifth year this year. They fired right up. I don't think they're ever going to die. They're out there putting in the work for me right now. Um, they also launched the Exodus MMT Arrows this summer, a tailor-built arrow to your specifications using nothing but the highest-grade components, period. Head to their website, use a 3D builder, and experience the best shooting hunt available, hunting arrow available. Um, if, you experience, if you have shot these and you're digging them, you're liking them, um, tag them, give them a message, let them know what you like about the arrow, what you're seeing out of the arrow. Um, this is the first year making them, so they want some feedback. I'm shooting these arrows. Um, they're flying awesome. They fly very, very flat out of my bow. The flattest shooting arrow that I've ever shot. Um, my broadheads are shooting awesome out of them, so I cannot ask for more out of the Exodus MMTs right now. Next on the doc docket is Afflictor broadheads. I was looking and searching for a new broadhead to shoot this upcoming deer season when I came across the Afflictor broadhead. Simply put, these are the broadheads that are built by people who care about hunting. These guys have been manufacturing some of the best hybrid broadheads on the market since 2015 and introduced an awesome line of fixed blade heads in 2018. Whether you're chasing small game, deer, elk, bear, moose, caribou, African game, or anything in between, Afflictor has the right broadhead for you. If you're looking for a tough broadhead, accurate broadhead, and dependable broadhead that offers superior penetration, Afflictor broadhead is, is your mother of all broadheads. We take our job here at Afflictor very seriously. Why? Because we are just like you, bow hunters. I'm shooting the K2 fixed this fall. Um, they're flying like darts. Um, I, bit, I shot them at uh, 50 yards just the other day. Uh, put a video up. You can't ask for more. I switched to a fixed this year. Um, I hadn't shot fixed in a while. I tried them. I tried a bunch of different heads. Tried them. Really liked them. Um, they just fly really good, and that's something that I struggle with a fixed blade 
broadhead over the years and why I didn't shoot them. Um, so they're field point accurate and they're uh, penetrating extremely well. Exodus um, Outdoor Gear actually did a lot of testing with these heads and they come in top of the line against some of the, the most expensive and best broadheads in, in the industry. These guys are right there running neck and neck with them. Um, so if you want to learn more about the Afflictor, um, go over to afflictorbroadheads.com um, and check them out. Um, if you guys are looking for a new head, give them a shot and see what you think. Last on the list is Rideon Optics. Um, a buddy of mine actually purchased um, the Conquer One and was blown away by the price for one, the lifetime um, warranty, unlimited lifetime warranty. He breaks it, his kid breaks it, the gun drops, it's covered. But he was just blown away by the glass quality, the picture quality, and the choice of reticle that he got at the price point. Um, I'm actually running that same scope on my muzzleloader uh, illuminated sight, so I'm pretty excited to, to get that out there this year. Been shooting it a bunch, um, shooting real solid. There's just something about having a scope that you buy one time, um, you buy once, you cry once, and they're so affordable for a lifetime warranty. I honestly don't know how that they're selling them, the price that they are with the warranty that they're given. Um, but that's something that you see with a trend of this podcast. We like to represent products that have that really good warranty because we're working guys just like you. And when we spend money on something, we want it to be solid and last a long time. That's something that you can do with a ride-on optic. So if you need any optics, red dot, scope, anything for your hunting needs, shooting needs, check them out at rideonoptics.com. All right, guys, let's get in the show and uh, chat with Scott Buckley on some public land scouting. Here we go. All right, we got Scott Buckley on the, the from the land of the absolute giant bucks in Iowa. How are you doing tonight, Scott? Good. How's it going, Cody? Doing good. I am super excited to have you back on the podcast. Like I would mentioned um, when we were talking there, your episode did, you know, t- it was the second episode we had for the whole entire year. So there's a lot of people that want to hear what you say and uh, respect what you got going on and all your uh, success that you've had over the years. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, so uh, you're a huge public land guy. You hunt some private, but you're always out there scouting and you're posting your stuff. And I wanted to find someone on there to talk about last-minute public land scouting, um, what you're doing right now to help yourself be successful, you know, coming when season opens. So um, do a brief description about yourself, and then we'll get right into what you got going on. Yeah, Scott Buckley, been living in Iowa 13 years, I guess, now. 2009, moved out here from Michigan. Um, primarily hunted just public land for the last 13 years. Until seven years ago, I bought a piece of property. And we do that's, we do a lot of gun hunting on it. Um, it if, if we got the right buck, we do a little bit of bow hunting. But primarily, I bow hunt public land. Um, been, I guess, where do we start here? Um, yeah, I know on your, uh, uh, your family farm, you kind of save that for your family. And then, yeah, uh, um, excuse me. I took a drink and it went down the wrong path, <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> but, uh, yeah. So, I mean, you're, you're hunting public so you can save those bucks for your family. And that's what I've seen over the, over the years. But, uh, there's a lot of guys out there right now that, they're trying to, you know, maybe they're late to a spot, <clears throat> figuring it out. And uh, season's coming real quick here. So if you were to, to go out scouting on a piece of public, what would be one of the first thing that you do starting out? 
actually now we've been because i've had cameras i started putting cameras out um we started putting them out probably first of june sometimes i wait till july 4th but this year i kind of we really expanded our public land areas we we done so much scouting this spring um you know february march first couple weeks of april um i don't know we expanded we normally we're running one two three four four five areas we probably probably got another four four or five areas this year so um yeah so we kind of started early setting cameras because we mainly got the weekend my farm's two um farm and has a little house there is two hours from where i live and work so we're just heading down there on the weekends and that's all the public lands around that area that i've hunted for years um where my farm is some of the pieces are within five minutes some are more within 45 minutes 50 minutes um but yeah so we started in june running some of these pieces um putting cameras out um kind of more I don't know the edge. If we could find croplands on the edge of croplands, there's quite a bit of crops on public land out here. Or you know, if there was, like for instance, you know, one spot up the road from me, that was probably about the first of July. We were seeing like 30, 40 deer come out in these bean fields while it bordered public land. So, and there was quite a few nice bucks. So me and my boy just, you know, we run in, found these trails coming in and out of the beans and we hung cameras on them you know whatever 20 30 yards off of the property line just at the trail just kind of see what bucks are in there so we done that we kind of just set cameras you know we've been setting them non-stop i've got more cameras this year than ever but um but now we're kind of starting to transform them a little bit um, and I have added a few cell cameras to the line this year, so I can kind of see, you know, just what they're doing. Um, you know, they're always changing their whatever, you know, they're changing their patterns weekly or whatever, you know. But so we're kind of going back in some of these areas, especially the ones where we're picking up some nicer bucks and we're getting them off these, you know, edges or food sources, or even I had a couple of minerals. It's legal in Iowa, as long as, you know, you don't hunt anywhere around them or trails leading to them. Um, I don't run mineral much as I did in the past, but I got a couple spots, but so we're kind of taking them off them. Um, like the other day kind of used for example we went in um we run some cameras it was a big huge hill country just all timber we run cameras up real high on this main ridge kind of close to this private land where i know that there's big deer on it and haven't been getting a lot just a buck here and there well there's egg fields like maybe a mile away to the be to the east well we just run a camera down off this finger just a still camera back in june and well when me and my son were up checking them ridgetop cameras i said well let's run down that finger and just check that camera i was gonna let it sit well it didn't even look that good on this finger i mean it looked there was a main trail coming down but 
not much for sign in June, hardly any tracks. And I told my boy, I said, we might not even check this till March, you know, it might just be one of them soaker cameras. But we were up on top and I said, well, let's just follow our maps and come down and check that camera. And because um, when we set it, we come in along this creek on the bottom. But that's kind of why we kind of just followed her on its maps because we never came in from the top to check it. But we ended up pulling that camera here about a month ago. And I could call that thing my, how the hunting public has their buck nest. I could have called that my buck nest. I've never had so many different bucks on a camera before. And one that I didn't think was, you know, it was just a soaker camera for me. You know, I wasn't even really going to check it. I just thought, well, let's run down there. because It didn't look that good. And i glad I checked it because I have, that was probably three weeks ago. We checked it, had bucks all over it. And then I went back up in there last week and put some cell cams up in a bedding area because all these bucks are coming in off this ag field. Then they were just going up this finger. So I had an idea where they're bedding on the um, leeward, you know, side of the ridge where the, you know, what your prominent winds come over and they kind of had the ideal situation for bedding, you know, just picture book text you know how they're using that ridge and so i took a couple cell cams up there last weekend and i checked that card again and just pull a box and i have two of them that are probably 170 10 pointers and another i don't know there's a huge eight pointer probably 150 you know just three or four shooters i've never had such a thing that's why i called it my little buck nest yeah, this so, seems like I've had that before too, where you hang a cam kind of in a summer spot, maybe on the edge of a field or um, yeah, close to the parking lot or something, or close to a road, and you're thinking, man, I'll just I got an extra cam. I'm just kind of wondering what's going on here, and we did that. Yeah, um, last year, you the year before and last year, and that's how I refound the buck that I was hunting two years ago was just oh off yeah, a, a a cam that's 15 yards off the road where there's a heavy trailer coming out to ag. Um, and like you said, it's mostly nighttime pictures there, but then you could follow them back to where the bedding is and then boom, you get them on the cell cam and you're like, oh man, there he is. And it's, it was off of that cam that was kind of like, oh, I'm going to put it here and see what it does. Might check it, might not check it. And sometimes those, those spots surprise you. Yep. Yeah. I was really shocked. Um, and I kind of, you know, I read the story on them, you know, a lot, I wasn't getting most of them were morning and actually, you know, a lot of them were after daylight, they were coming up out of these egg fields. And, and so that's kind of why I went up a few hundred yards, kind of where I thought they might be bedding. And there was one, there was a, on the little finger, there was a South trail and a North trail on each side of the finger. And I set a cell cam on each one last, um, actually it was a week ago this weekend and um so yeah anyways throughout the week i didn't get any pictures for three four days and then all of a sudden you know because i boogered it up in there and then all of a sudden um i started getting pictures what yesterday like 10 11 o'clock i had a huge eight pointer i think that 150 some eight pointer and then i had the 110 the 100 i would say the mid 170s 10 11 o'clock yeah so that that told me I'm right in the middle yeah, of the bedding area. Yeah, that told you. And, you're right in the goodies right there. Yeah, so 
And another reason I thought that would be great is on this finger, it's loaded with big oak trade in there. So that's kind of what I'm banking on. You know, I've, Played my intel off the camera on the bottom by the egg fields. You know, they're coming up in the morning, kind of figured out where they'd be batting, put cameras up in there. And then I'm hoping, you know, a lot of bucks get up and move here as they shed velvet and move areas or whatever. But they kind of still got everything they need. There's, there's bean fields down below, but there's also a big cornfield right along the timber. They have a cornfield there. They have water down below. They have just superior bedding, and then they got all these acorns up in there. They should produce, or at least some of them. So I'm hoping, you know, a couple of them will stick around. They probably won't all because once they shed, they get kind of, you know, they're not as buddy buddy with each other. But um, at least hold a couple of them, and there sounds like they got everything you need um, to hold. Yeah. Them. So that was kind of my strategy on this spot. You know, I I read my camera down below. I went up, placed cameras up a little higher. So and starting out here, you're, the, you're moving cams off the summer, kind of on the fall uh, program, but you're also, you're pulling some cams and then you're moving cams deeper off those cams that are showing where the activity is leading. Yep. Yep. Just trying to re read what these deer are doing as it gets closer to season, get them up where you know, I, I've never been much of a field hunter. I mean, every situation's different, but especially on public land, you know, they're get pressured early along the field edges. So I'm more up deep or whatever in the timber. And, um, that's one great strategy, you know, just follow them bucks. And, um, I, I I'm going to be doing that more. We were going to take some more in a couple spots here the next couple weeks, kind of get them more, up in these oak groves, you know, on these ridges, yep. um, that's a great strategy. I would like, I would like to, the first ones I seen dropping actually, um, Cameron from Exodus was out here last week. We were doing some scout and he drew out here and, um, in an area and we, we went out and set some cams and, and then I had to go back in and move one last I think I went in about a week, kind of less than a week ago, four or five. One of them wasn't working, one of the cell cams. So I went in and swapped it and took a different route along the cornfield. And I found this old scrape tree, like a um, basswood tree or something. And just not this year's scrapes, but you could see the whole, the whole one side of the tree, just all the branches, licking branches. And nice. you kind of see the old scrapes and, and then we're looking at that and saying, wow, this would be a perfect spot for a camera, you know, not immediately, but coming up here when they start, bucks start getting frisky here in the next, right within the next month, they'll start getting scrapes pretty good. But yeah, then we notice an acorn, uh, oak tree right there, 10 yards away from all these scrapes is the first one I seen dropping. There was acorns all over. So, um, so yeah, I have to, I'm getting another, I didn't have a camera then to set, but Cameron set me one out and I'm going to get another one on this acorn tree and scrape. And, um, but yeah, that's what I'm going to try to do more, especially if you can see them dropping. They, um, yeah, the that's why I'm going to wait. Yeah. Wait another week or two. If you can find a tree that, you know, is dropping or like a cluster of oak trees on a ridge. I mean, there isn't nothing better than that. I mean, as long as there isn't too many in the area. 
you know, like in big forests, sometimes you got to know, you know, look for sign, look for tracks, you know, if they're in eating them acorns, get a camera on them or, or, you know, if you're not a camera guy, just look for sign. And, um, you know, some guys like cameras, they just like the old traditional way of finding the deer, but, you know, just look for sign or they're, they're going to start shedding here in the next, um, I've first seen a couple of reports on Facebook, but the next week, a lot of them going to be shedding. And so you'll start seeing them little, little rubs, especially up in the timber. Like that's usually where I start seeing them around where acorns are dropping. Yep. You'll, you'll, um, you'll see little rubs and bucks yellow it frisky when they're in there eating and start rubbing little trees. And it's usually littler ones, you know, around this time of year, but yeah, they're not real aggressive. They're just trying to get the velvet yeah. off so they're normally hitting the smaller trees. Yep, exactly. So yeah, I look for that big time. Um, you know, and I start transforming them to either scrapes or acorns, you know, um, and you're, Trails are always solid, you know. I've been doing more like on creek crossings and river crossings, you know. They or like big draws where they in timber where they pinch around a draw. There should be a heavy trail, and I always try to get an intersection of trails, you know. Just so you ain't watching one, try to get you know a spot where you got two or three trails crossing, so you're not just picking up one trail. You know, it helps. You got. Um, that's kind of been, so you're moving, you're moving the cams off the field edges, kind of following, you're pulling the cards, getting the intel, kind of following them back. Then you're also moving and hanging some new cams on what you believe the bucks are going to be doing in the, you know, not in the summer. You're, you're moving them on the acorns. You're getting ready on the scrapes. And that's something that I did this year. Um, I kind of hung some on the edge but I hung a lot of cams um, for October because that's when our season starts, like on scrapes that I know that fire up, um, on trails that I know. Um, and people are asking me kind of what I got for shooter bucks right now, and I got a couple, but I said wait wait until the first week of season when that pressure goes in there and it pushes those bucks off the field edges. They start yep. shedding velvet, like you said. They start breaking up. That's when I start getting my bucks on cam. And uh, instead of – hanging them and then doing the move, um, I'm, I spread out on a bunch of different properties kind of like you did. So I kind of hung myself when I hung the cams, kind of knowing that the first month of the cam wasn't going to be, you know, red hot, um, staging up for that, you know, exactly. last week of September, first week of October, where I know these areas are going to, going to start firing up. Um, but, um, if a guy was out there, you know, and he has some cams out there, that is the time to move right now to move them to those spots where you're actually going to be able to kill them in season. Cause like you said, more than likely once that pressure gets in there, they're not going to be on the field edges. You're not going to be able to glass them up from the road. They're going to do that velvet switch. And uh, something that I want to ask you, if you noticed every year um, is like clockwork. When they start shedding velvet, I lose all my bucks, like nothing on cam for like five to seven days. It's like they, when they shed in velvet, there's something going on with them where they just like hide up and don't move at all, and then they come back and they're hard horn. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, that's the truth. I mean, I I that happens to me every year. Um, I mean, pretty much I see, see the chatter on social media. You know, that happens to a lot of people. They just you, you wonder where they go, and 
Yeah, they do something when they shed um, their velvet. Everybody thinks they lose their bucks, but they didn't lose them all. But they're not. There's nothing on cam, nothing moving, and then all of a sudden stuff's coming back hard horn. Now they're hitting the scrapes. Now they're on the acorns, yeah. and you're kind of getting a little bit more um, pictures of them. Um, but there's a like I said, there's like five days there where it's nothing. But um, another thing I noticed, I want to know if you'd mentioned, like you said, you had that three day gap where um, there was nothing kind of on that cam. Um, after you were in there, yep. I've noticed yep. that bucks that come in, especially if you like cut some grass or knock some stuff down, they're kind of coming and investigate that area. And then they and will then they be gone there. for, you know, yeah. you get a bunch of oh, pictures yeah. and then they'll be gone for three, four days and then they start coming back. Um, yeah, but, that's huge. That happens to me all the time. I'll, I'll, I'll see it. I'll see them come in, you know, you get close up pictures. They'll even come in and lick the camera or put their yeah. face right in it because they sell you, smell your scent all over and that's why i always said it's good to do this stuff way before season mm -hmm. it, it tells you a lot there i mean there's so much that cameras can tell you you know it tells you you know when you're hunting you go in and kind of booger up a spot you know them them bucks know you're there it's just like hanging cameras now you know i go hang my cameras like you said you got them all over the camera smelling where you've been smelling your tracks we cut branches you know they're smelling that you know, just everything, and and then they disappear. You know, they're just they're they know you're there, and they're just checking it out. And you know, a lot of times it's after dark where they feel safe, and and then all of a sudden they disappear for a few days. Yep. Um, and it's, it just like relates to hunting. That's why I don't sit many spots. You know, more than once or twice, unless I have a really good backstop. You know, like climbing up out of a creek bank or a river or um, something where I don't have to walk across the camp even at nighttime, you know, it just isn't why you're there in the stand, you know, they come through at night. If you're walking across deer trails, you know, you're, you're hunting big mature buck, not little yearling bucks. You know, they come in and smell that you were there. They're going to walk to your tree. They're going to, yeah, you know they're gonna they're gonna smell where you went up the tree your steps. I mean, I watch it all the time on cameras what they do. So that's why I move around so much hunting season because if you don't have a solid access point, you know, like climb up out of a creek bank where there's no trail, you know, where they can't get behind you, smell your tracks, they're gonna know you're there within you know a short time frame, and they're they're gonna they're either gonna evacuate or they're going to come in downwind of that hunting stand just to see if you're around i mean they're not that's why they live to an old age so yeah cameras will tell you all that too yeah especially those mobile cams it's really cool to see that i run a few mobile cams as well and it's really cool to see that you know intel where yeah okay they're there they're there and then they're gone for three days and you're like what man where'd they go and then you see them three four days five days they come back uh, they're still leery, and then there's some bucks that seem to be kind of edge on cameras, and there's some bucks that don't care at all. Um, exactly. They all got their own personality. Yeah, but it's just crazy to see how much you affect an area, even out of season. Um, and that's something that I feel like a lot of people do. They wait, and they pull the cams, you know, three or four days a season to get the most, ac you know, the most accurate intel that they can get. Well, then they, okay, the buck's on there. And then they go back in there, you know, three days later when season starts, oh, he didn't show up. 
well, you know, you were just in there three days ago. So I've been trying to pull yeah. my red cams a couple times before season. And like you said, that scouting in March, February, that's how you kill these deer is you figure that out. Then you say, okay, I got a buck in here. This is where I think he's doing. You pull it two weeks in advance and then you make a move on him. Um, but with cell cams, yeah. it's so nice to be able to say, okay, he's in there. You know, I got, I got a shot to go try to hunt him. Yep, exactly. So when you're yep. out there, uh, when you're out there on public land now and you're moving these cams, is there any scouting specifically that you're doing besides oaks and acorns right now? Are you scouting other hunters sign in there or anything like that? I mean, I always got my eyes peeled for, you know, people putting up tree stands or, or existing tree stands. Um, and I'm a big map guy. I really, you know, like I use Onyx. I got a couple of them, um, base maps. Um, Onyx is my main one, but I mark everything, even if it's somebody else's stand. Um, you know, I mark it just so I know it's there, kind of keep an eye on, you know, if anybody's using it, if it's abandoned. Um, actually, where I was just thought that, Example, I was using the box. I picked up down the camera, and then they come up the finger. Yeah. There's actually a ladder stand there, an old uh, hawk or something. Looks like it's been in the tree five, six years right on this finger where they're bedding. And Because um, when my boy found it there a few weeks ago, we're like, oh, crap, somebody's up here hunting. And then I looked, the straps are stretched into the tree, you know, it don't look like anybody's been in it for a few years. And it's a big old ladder stand. And it's about a three-quarter mile back in the hills. I don't know how the heck it got back there. but <laughs> So, yeah, I marked that. I mean, I'm banking on that's their bed box bedding area, but I'm banking on nobody uses it anymore, you know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I'm always looking for, you know, hunters. I, and I mark everything area. so I know. Yeah, that's something yeah. I do as well. I was, I think it was on the last episode. I said I wish I could share. Um, I use hunt stand quite a bit. Um, it's just what I started yeah. on, and I don't like to change stuff. Um, so uh, I wish I could show people kind of how I organize my hunt stand. Um, but I don't want to give away all my spots, you know, all my marks and stuff. But I mark other yeah. people's stands, other people's cameras, whether it's a mobile cam, whether it's not a mobile cam. I feel like if a guy has a mobile cam in an area. He's more apt to hunt that area because he has intel. So if I see a mobile oh, yeah. cam and kind of a stand close, I'm thinking, okay, this guy's invested a lot of assets in this spot. So he's more than likely going to be in here, you know, more than, you know, another spot. So he might be here, you know, a couple days a week or one day on the weekend or whatever. Um, so just put that in the bank. I'm, I I'm put stuff up like, hey, if I ever get a trail cam, you know, <laughs> on public that if I get a free trail cam, I want to come in here and hang one. Um, and I just put like a red exclamation point there of like possible cam location. And in the notes, I put why I don't have a cam there, but I have a cat spot. Like, Hey, I would put a cam here if I had another cam. So if I do get that cam, I go through there, my spots and kind of rate them where, where do, where do you think I could pick up another buck? What's the best odds? Um, but like I said, marking, I don't know if a lot of people, other people mark those um, stands, but if you're in there hunting an area and you got that stand marked, you can kind of think about how that guy's going to access that area and how it might affect yeah, you. Exactly. As well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yep. 
or if I pick him up on a camera nearby and he's heading there, um, you know, I kind of know. Yeah, and then I know, like, say, one of them cameras picks up a guy during hunting season. I know that blood in there, red in there is blue. You know, ain't no sense of me going anywhere near that spot. So I'll go somewhere else. But, um, yeah, there was another situation in that same area. This was closer to the road a high kind of monitor for hunters or whatever. I kind of, it's a new spot for me. So I'm kind of wondering, you know, I know if you go to the South, I've heard that gets quite a bit of pressure, but kind of where I'm at, I don't see much sign of pressure over there on that North side. So there's a Creek bed comes up there, a Sandy Creek bed. I can see tracks, but I also, I had an extra camera when I had it out, just a cheap one. And there's a huge deer trail. This probably only a couple hundred yards from where people would park on the road, maybe two, three hundred yards. Um, but a heavy deer trail going into the cornfield there. It's in the timber, this creek, but you know at the bottom of the hills. So I put a trail cam, kind of hit it up in a tree. And usually all my cameras now I put up high. The last two, three years I get a stick, you know, at least ten feet up, so people can't reach them, but. And I angled it right down into that creek on that trail, that dry creek bed. But that will also tell me, you know, if anybody's walking up that creek hunting, I'll let that sit all year just to kind of see what kind of pressure is in the area. It's kind of hidden up there a little bit in the tree where most people are going to be looking down in the creek bank, you know, at whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it should give me a lot of information. Yeah, and that information is awesome. You know, so, human traffic and yeah. and to have for years to come because if if someone yeah. goes up there and then you're still getting these bucks on cam you're kind of like okay these bucks got a spot where they're hiding they're still able to use this area and this guy accessed this creek and they're still in there so that maybe that's maybe something i can do as well um i've done that before yeah. where i've seen a guy go in um kind of into my area on a mobile cam and i'm thinking man, if he goes, if he's, you know, going right through there, he's going to blow that spot out. And then I got bucks on that cam while he's hunting and he must be past that cam, you know? And I'm like, well, he didn't blow that deer out. And that deer was obviously pretty close. So maybe if I want to hunt that deer, maybe the route that he took in on this wind is the best route there is. Um, so having those, like I said, having those people cams or, you know, just to see what the, the pressure is like is sometimes beneficial to, to not only seeing what the pressure's like, but seeing how you can access a property and whether it's good or bad. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I got some areas that just get so much pressure, you know, that I just kind of bail out. And it depends on what time of year, too, you know. Um, like, I got I got one area where I've killed a lot of my big deer over the years, but it's got so much um, pressure the last four or five years, you know, come November 1st, I'm not hunting it quite as much. It just depends on what's in there. This year, I got a couple of humdingers in there, but I mean, bit like 170 type class deer. So we'll see how it goes. But I'm more banking on the early season. I've been spending more time on them pressured areas in October. You know, the week I got the weekends to hunt, sometimes extended weekend. But yeah, I'll hunt them heavier in October. That's what I'm trying to bank on. You know, is yeah, that's my plan. You know, as well anywhere this from year is. Yeah, and I got different areas that won't see as much pressure for November, and I kind of get up and down. I just, you know, and cameras will tell you some of that. I mean, parking lots will tell you that. 
you know, cameras will tell you that if people are walking through. Yeah, I feel um, like a lot of people try to wait. They're like, man, I don't want to, I don't want to be in there pressuring these deer in October, but everybody else has been there pressuring them and going to ruin it by the time November comes anyways. Um, so you need to try to get in there and kill that deer in October. And I have spots yeah. like that where I'm like, okay, I know there's going to be two or three people in here hunting anyways. So if it's, if it's a warmer or the wind isn't a hundred percent perfect, I know there's guys in here anyway. So I'm going to try to make it work in that area somewhere um, because they're going to blow it out anyways. And I could see it on trail cam every year. Um, they're in there, they're in there, they're hitting scrapes, they're edging daylight, and then the pressure hits, and they are 100% nocturnal. It's just like, uh, at least on the cams, you know, they might be moving around in their bedding area a little bit, but going to these scrapes and stuff where people are hunting, um, they're not there in daylight. Um, they're they're nocturnal. Um, and it's yep. the only reason it can be is it's the pressure. The weather hasn't changed. You know, they say that the deer move more and more throughout October, and the only thing that changes is the pressure of the hunting pressure, you know? So, um, yeah, it's good to get in there and try to make it happen in October if you can. Yeah. yeah. One other thing I just thought of a good place to put cameras, um, in this later part of the summer, um, we've been experiment or experiencing, um, real bad kind of drought in most Iowa, especially Southern Iowa, central Iowa, um, you know, no rain for weeks at a time. We're just getting little shots, but the, the creeks are all dry. Um, if you can find ponds or NOAA ponds, you know, in the timber or anywhere, a lot of times you can study your maps. I mean, they might be a little blip on a map in the middle of the timber, but they usually show up. And that's kind of something I did. Actually, I did that in June. I put cameras on a couple and I haven't checked them yet, but I'll, I'll continue. I mean, that's one spot with this drought. I'll continue to let them sit there through, you know, whatever, just to kind of pick up Intel and see what's coming into that water source. And yeah, I did um, the same thing as well this year. I was kind of, you know, wanting to get something, a cam that I could get to easy, um, that I could basically just, I want to get a picture of this deer and see if he's alive cam. You know, it's not something that I don't think I'd ever kill this deer in this area but he would come to it, you know, at nighttime and it's a water source on the way to the ag. Um, and it's oh, yeah. covered with that, uh, I don't know what to call it. It's that, re that green, really stemmy. I call it like mus muskrat sticks or whatever. Cause that's what I always see muskrats oh. hauling around, you know? Um, yeah. Kind of like a bamboo type yeah, thing almost. And it's just like four yeah. foot around that complete area. And uh, I hung a cam um, where the muskrats were coming out of the water. They kind of had like a three-foot hole right there where they'd been coming in and out. I'm sure otters and whatever. Um, and all the deer go right to that hole to get a drink instead of trying to mess with all that green stemmy stuff. So yep. if you can find a pond like that and then you find that three-foot gap, I put a cam right there. And I've only checked it once, but I had a ton of deer that were hitting that earlier in the year. Um you know, on the way, it was all at night, of course, on the way to the big ag field, but they were going out there and hitting that water and they were hitting it right in that gap. So that's something to look yep. out for. If, if you do run in this scenario where you do have that heavy stem around the, or cattails around the ponds. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They always pick the least resistance. You know, if there's an opening in the water, they'll, they'll go to it. 
and hopefully with as dry as it's been, we don't start seeing EHD. Yeah, I I've seen uh, uh, been a- Brooke Martin. He's kind of down there in the same area, and he said that it's been super dry down there. And we had a dry spell yeah. there for a while, but we got some rain farther finally. But Southern Illinois has kind of been the same way as you. It's been real dry, um, not a lot of rain. Yeah. The storms keep going north and not not hitting down there. So hopefully this late in the year. Um, like you said, they they're starting to shed velvet that we can we can miss that devastating EHD. But yeah, I know stuff's horrible. Um, is there anything else that you're doing out there scouting wise um, early in the season here that uh, you think people might like to hear about? Um, we br- brought up kind of Onyx maps a little bit. I, I mean, it's probably old news, but if you know guys haven't heard it, I, I, when I'm out scouting in the spring. March, February, March, when you can see the scrapes of bass rubs, I'm, I'm marking on my Onyx maps, you know, every scrape I see now, um, you can kind of put together scrape lines. Um, and then that's another thing I'm you know, that helps me now because sometimes this time of year, it's hard to find scrapes. Oh man, it's hard. Everything. So yeah, I growed up. So you can see them plain as day in March. So I mean, I started doing extensively this last spring. I, I've done it off and on, but you know, over the last couple of years, but I did extensively this, this March, I marked, you know, in these good, real good areas, real heavy areas, thick areas, a lot of big rubs. And I marked practically every good scrape. And then I'll go back, you know, coming up in the next, probably next week or two, what this couple of areas that I want to, and I'm going to just put, you know, if I even if just soaker cameras, you know, just to kind of, I might run a cell cam in the area, but uh, mainly I'm going to run them on these scrapes. Some of them, if I'm up there hunting, I might check. You know, some of them might end up sitting till end of season or you know whatever. Probably, you know, I let them sit till February, March till they're shed out, but. Um, you know, I might check them after season just to kind of get an idea what bucks are using these scrapes, how much, you know, daylight, um, you know, how close, you know, you can tell how close they are to bed by the time of day. Um, you know, they're going to tell me a lot, but yeah, that's a huge tip. Just mark every scrape you see, or even mark them in the fall. If you're out walking around, you know, it don't have to be March in the fall. If you see one while you're hunting, mark it on your maps. Yeah, you know, that's something that's year. really hard to find. Those big rubs, it's crazy how much those trees can grow, and you really got to get up close to them to be like, yeah, that's you know, and look at the grooves. Yeah, and like, yeah, that's a good old rub right there. And and uh, I got a new a new piece of private this year that's fairly big, and it's a whole bunch of different pieces, and uh, scouting it, and never being on it before trying to scout in the summertime is so it's so frustrating and hard um because you're thinking okay yeah i'm on a i'm on a good i'm on a good trail here there should when i get back in there man there should be some good scrapes and good rubs on this trail um and you just can't find them you might be able to find a licking branch that's kind of chewed on um kind of give you a, a pinpoint but really it's really hard to find those rubs because those trees just grow back so well especially the younger trees um and if it it isn't something that's hit you know repeatedly um where like there's still no bark on that side of the tree and it's kind of like 
reamed out, you know, where the bark's kind of grown back into itself, um, it's really hard to see that sign right now. So I do the same thing as you. I, I map map it and mark it. Um, like you said, you can look at that map in an area and kind of put pieces together. When Even when you get back at the house, you can kind of zoom out and say, okay, you know, what can I put together off of the sign that I found out there today? Yeah, exactly. All right, Scott. Well, I appreciate you you chatting with me about some early season tactic here. I know uh, I know you're always on a couple giants out there and uh, putting a lot of work yeah, on been... your family farm. So uh, I appreciate you giving me a little time here. Yep. Yeah, we've I've got more on camera this year in public than I've had in a long time. So I'm really really excited for really excited for this year. I've I'm more big ones too, than I've yeah. probably ever had. The bucks, yeah. that, the bucks that returned have ha- they had a really good growing year um, this year. Oh, good! So I'm excited about that. Uh, I had I have one. It's so hard to tell in velvet, you know. It's just like man, it's yeah. You need to get the velvet off, and I can really see him. But I think I had one that's probably 35, 40 inches bigger, like a really oh, good wow. growing year. So <laughs> I'm excited. I call that's chips and dip. Um, got sheds off him last year. Encountered him a couple times. Oh, yeah. So hopefully. He made it, but I think he made like a 35-inch jump through a bunch of flyers and splits and stuff. So excited to see what he's got going on. But like you said, this is the time of the year where you're really anxious to go out there and pull cams and start making moves. We're so close to season now, you can almost you can almost taste it. <laughs> yeah, I know, for real. <laughs> All right. Exciting. Well, yeah, I appreciate you spending <laughs> some time with me tonight. Okay, sounds good. Good luck, everybody, this year. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode from Scott. I know I definitely did. Scott is always on an absolute giant in Iowa and gets it done year after year. Not only him, but him and his family members and everybody that hunts in this hunting party. Um, always a great guest to have on. Um, like always, we appreciate you guys tuning in all the way to the end. Um, hopefully you enjoyed the intro. I worked on that, learning how to edit everything and uh, put this podcast together. Um, it's getting better, getting easier. Um, appreciate you guys sticking it with me. Um, if you could leave a review, let me know how I'm doing on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you're uh, listening. That'd be great. Um, let me know what, you know, what you think about the show, your honest opinion. Um, as always, uh, try to do the right thing. Uh, try to leave a legacy and white to legacy is out until we're coming in your holes next Wednesday at 11 a.m. Central time. Thank you guys. Love you.